Thanks for tuning in. I'm Joel Amadon. And I'm Ann Monroe. And this is the Teacher's Journey, Mile Markers on the Road to Better Teaching, a podcast series where we discuss stories of teacher development. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Mississippi School of Education and is an Amadon Planet production. Hey, and we're not canceled yet. I know, but what is this podcast number three? Number three. Amazing. Wow. And so there, we had the trailer, we had our two episodes, and now we actually could convince somebody to come and join us. We have a guest. We have a guest. Amazing. Fantastic. So we have Hannah Farnlacker, who is a former student of mine. Was she a student of yours? Former too? student of mine as well. Oh, fantastic. Wow. <laughs> lucky you, Hannah. She's so lucky. Yeah. <laughs> and Hannah's going to uh, come and share a story of her development. But Hannah, first, before we get too far into it, thank you for being our first guest on Teacher's Journey, the mile markers on the road to better teaching. Uh, but thank you for being our first guest. And, but just can you give a little bit of introduction to yourself? Sure. Well, thank you guys for having me. Um, as you mentioned, I'm Hannah Farnlocker. I'm from Hoover, Alabama, and anyone in the Southeast might know that because that is where we host the Southeastern Conference for baseball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and currently, I am a graduate student at the University of Mississippi for elementary education, and I work as a grad assistant to Dr. Monroe. Um, <laughs> Lucky me. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> And so I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> Fantastic. So, um, you know, again, we're always talking about these stories of teacher development. And I, you know, I think we both in our in the courses that we were able to teach you, where you're a fantastic student, got to see you grow from a undergraduate into a teacher. But I just wonder what led you to start this journey. What led you to be wanted to become a teacher? So, actually, one of my um, favorite stories to tell is when I was in kindergarten. So my mom is an elementary school librarian. So she um, has been in the education profession. And when I was in kindergarten, my school did a what you want to be when you grow up day. And I dressed up as a teacher at five and six years old. Um, (laughs) My mom punched the glasses out of an old pair of hers to let me wear. And she let me wear her school lanyard for the day. Nice. And I mean, I can't ever really remember ever wanting to be anything else. And all of the classes I've taken and the work I've done has just kind of reaffirmed my belief of me wanting to be a teacher and wanting to help students learn and grow so that they can become great students and great people. And I just, it's always been where my passion has been. Fantastic. That's awesome. So, you know, we're talking about these mile markers of our development, and you've heard me say, say this more than, more than once <laughs> <laughs> over your time here at the University of Mississippi. Uh, but where would you place, you know, so again, we'll just go backward a little bit. We asked you for the, to be our first guest about thinking about hey, what's that one mile marker that you'd like to point out? And so you picked one. And so where would you place, the, place this mile marker on your path to better teaching? Um, so I would place it... So I did a lot of, I did something called the Education Academy in high school. And so that allowed me to get into classrooms very early. But the mile marker I chose was from my junior year here at Ole Miss. And it's called the Instructional Triangle. Mm. Um, And I would consider it a pretty big turning point because before, before that, I always kind of felt like an outsider when I went into the classroom because I wasn't the main teacher. You know, I was just kind of there to provide an aid. And the instructional triangle gave me a viewpoint of, like, I put myself into the classroom. I was the teacher in the triangle. 
So of it. can you explain what the triangle looks like just because we're an, an audio sort of <laughs> thing going on? Yes. So it has three points because it's a triangle. And the first point says content. The second point says student. And then the third point says teacher. And then there are double-sided arrows in between content and student, content teacher, and student and teacher. And then there's also a double-sided arrow through the middle of the triangle between teacher and then the relationship, that arrow between student and content. And it's supposed to symbolize just the influences and the interconnectedness of the three things, the student, the teacher, and the content. So so when you say, like, you saw yourself, so now, like, do you, you kind of picture yourself on the triangle, like, yes, having these as relationships? The, as the teacher, before I kind of felt, like, outside, like, I wasn't influencing the content and maybe wasn't even influencing the students much. It was more just kind of observation. But with this instructional triangle, I realized that I'm going to have to place myself in the teacher position, and then I'm interconnected with the students and the content and then their relationship and I was very, at that point, I was like, okay, all my plans and everything that I have to make, I have to picture myself here instead of watching somebody else teach plans that I make. Like, I'm the one doing the plans. So where was the first time that you, out in the field, since you said this happened during your junior year mm-hmm. at the university, and there are field placements in the junior year, and obviously yes. many, many in the senior year, much more time spent. When did you first utilize the triangle in a classroom setting? Ooh, good one. So my junior year, let's see, this was, oh, I can't remember if it was fall or spring, but I was in the a program here at Ole Miss called METP, and as a result, we got to go into the classroom. Mississippi and, Excellence in Teaching Program. There'll be a link in the show notes. Go yes. <laughs> and, and so um, that kind of started my field placement earlier, and I just realized I wanted to go somewhere else. I forgot that this wasn't an METP placement. Um, it was the f- spring placement, and I was at Pontotoc Elementary. No, that's okay. So, I mean, what's, yeah. what's cool is, like, you did have, what's, um, you know, kind of nice about that program, you did have a number of field experiences. Yes. So, so that's okay. So, all right. <laughs> so, this was at, so, you're saying this this experience you really wanted to talk about was where? It was at Pontotoc Elementary, and I was in a fourth grade English class. Okay. And so this was probably the first time, and I wasn't necessarily classified as a student teacher then because Mm -hmm. it was my junior year, but I went into a classroom where there was a teacher and there um, was already a student teacher, but the teacher at that point was letting the student teacher kind of run the whole classroom. But one day when I went to do it, the student teacher wasn't there. And so the teacher was like, you know, here, here were the plans for the day. Why don't you just kind of go do them and so kind of on the fly and I was like okay at that point I was the teacher and I was very much in charge of the students and the content and how they interacted and I had to do the activities and I had to make sure they were engaging properly with the content of those activities and that was it just gave me a whole kind of perspective of like the instructional triangle come to life because those relationships are very real. And so it was it was amazing to experience that. You know what's kind of amazing about what what you're just gonna talk about you just for a second, Hannah. Like what's amazing what she just shared and it's like you know how passive she could have been there? Like these right. are somebody else's plans. I'm not even the student teacher here. I'm I'm just visiting. I'm not even in my I'm supposed to be doing this yet. But yet it seems like this artifact lets you like 
lean into this experience and think like, you know what? I still have relationships with the content. I have relationships with these students that have been seen for a little bit in this placement. And then I am tr- attempting to facilitate their relationship with the content. And it's like, I don't know. It seemed like that that was maybe a catalyst for engagement. I don't know. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, and I think it's this whole idea that we're always striving for at the university, theory to practice. Mm-hmm. So it was something you learned in a, a class, a theory class or class, you know, talking about things in a classroom setting at the university and then applying it in a field experience. You, that's the come to life part, right? That's right. the part where you you start to sort of link these things that you're uh, learning about in the college classroom, which mm-hmm. is exciting for us yeah. as college instructors. And um, I yeah. think that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I mean, the, the humble brag is that she actually learned about the instructional triangle in my class. And I think her <laughs> field experience that she's speaking of was uh, related to my course, EDC. Yeah. That's exactly correct. Welcome so that, to self, <laughs> self-promotion with Anne Wow, Monroe that worked out great. <laughs> no, but I mean, seriously, because the, the class that we had was this huge class of ed policy and ed psych kind of jammed together. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of the ed psych, educational psychology side in thinking about this instructional triangle and then actually to see you put that into play. I mean, as an instructor, like that's awesome. And then as an instructor of the field experience, that's awesome that they're bringing that with them. Right. Correct. Yeah. And one, one thing I want to ask Hannah is that you've had this, you had this introductory experience uh, with putting that triangle to, you know, into action. Mm -hmm. And then you, obviously you had your full year long placement during senior year. We have a year long placement that culminates in the student teaching semester going forward. Uh, when you get your own classroom, how do you see your use of this triangle? Do you see it uh, being utilized in a different way? Do you see your relationship with um, the content and the students being different than it was uh, for you even in your senior year as a student teacher? Yeah, so um, one thing about the instructional triangle is it kind of became a basis for especially a lot of, a lot of what I did my um, for all the plans that I had to make my year for student teaching because to me those relationships are the basis for all the plans that I have to make all the activities I want to do and everything and if the activities and what I want to do in the classroom don't connect to those relationships then I have to step back and think why why am I doing this activity then if it doesn't relate to the content or the students or the relationship between the students and the content if it's not helping the students with the content or maybe helping my relationship with the students, then why would I be doing this? And so I want to kind of use it as a guide to what I want to do in my classroom because I want all of my activities and all of my lessons to have that meaning behind it in terms of strengthening these relationships with the student and teachers and content. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So, you know, we, we talked about why this is, you know, this is important to your development as a teacher. We talked about, you know, pretty intensely and why it's important to us as your instructors. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, why is it important to the field? So, you know, we're going to do that thing where we tie this into standards. And I know you've done that practice in your portfolio, mm-hmm. but what standards, like maybe name two or three standards that you think this one really hits. Yeah. So, um, and these are the in-task standards, the, <laughs> Interstate New Teacher Assessment and Support Consortium. Right. So we get a little technical, but but it's all all good because we we should connect these to the uh, why it's important to the field. So go ahead, Hannah. Sorry. So the first standard that I 
found it really related to was actually is the very first standard in NTASC, which is the learner development standard. Mm -hmm. And it focuses on learners and their development within the instruction and within the content. And so being able to, so using the instructional triangle, you have to facilitate that relationship between the students and the content and their development with that. And then your relationships with those in order to plan appropriately and adjust for those learner developments and just um, help students keep learning. And then the next standard was um, standard two, which was the learning differences, because that one focuses on how students will all learn differently because they're all each their own individual. And with this instructional triangle, it places an emphasis on the relationship between the teacher and the student. And so knowing your students will then in turn help that third point of the triangle, which is teaching the content. And so knowing those differences and building that one relationship of teacher and student then in turn strengthens the relationship with the content because they're all interconnected. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the final standard that I really liked was standard seven, which was planning for instruction, which, again, is just knowing those students and knowing what activities they'll benefit from and which content you need to plan to teach because maybe they didn't get it the first time or um, knowing where to start with certain content. And so knowing and building these relationships will then help in planning instruction and um, making sure the content is appropriate for where the students are. Wow, fantastic. So, you know, one thing we want to dive into a little bit with this, because uh, we ask you to do this sometimes with the, and when you're developing <laughs> your portfolio, is talking about that pocket size philosophy statement. So that mm-hmm. thing that you carry with you that helps guide, I mean, you've already kind of talked about with the instructional triangle, how it can help you guide decisions. So mm-hmm. it's like, feels like that's in your pocket size philosophy statement. So first I'm going to say, well, what is your pocket size philosophy statement? <laughs> so my pocket size philosophy statement is, it is my promise as a teacher to build relationships with my students in order to inspire them and help them use their power so that they can then strive to learn and engage in all of their future endeavors. So, <laughs> uh, and so the next question, and this is almost like a gimme because you already can hear it within there. So, how can we see the influence of this mile marker on that pocket size philosophy? So, definitely, I have the phrase that build relationships with students mm-hmm. because that is just, um, I feel like the basis for everything else. And then I have um, helping them use their power and helping them engage in the material in order for them to become good learners and then strive to learn even beyond the classroom and for whenever they leave my classroom. And so it's, again, building up those relationships between me and the student and then in turn connecting that with the content so that they then um, feel strong and powerful as learners and know that they have, like, knowledge inside of them that they can then take on wherever they go. Yeah. Well, the one thing that I – and just a little side note, kind of a little bit – disconnected to what but I heard that use their power mm-hmm. and you know a lot of times we, we talk about the we want to empower kids empower kids kids have power right like and mm-hmm. I think and I think I heard you say this I did like, I, when she when, when Hannah just said that yeah uh, about using their power to me that the you've got the relationship word in there which is essential to teaching mm-hmm. and then you have students using their power which I think is what teaching is all about mm-hmm. it's not 
the teacher having power yeah. or like you were bestowing saying, it upon best- the yeah, yeah. or mm-hmm. controlling a situation or whatever. And we have talked about this in an Amazon Planet podcast <laughs> right. before. Yes, yeah. uh, so if you want to go back to that episode. Link in the show notes. <laughs> link in the show notes to the Mr. Rogers podcast. Yes. Um, this idea that that students are using their power and the teacher is a guide mm-hmm. and the teacher should be giving those students opportunity to use that power. Um, and I think that is really, really powerful and important um, <laughs> yeah. for, for you to have used that phrase in your uh, pocket size philosophy. Cause I think it's really important. It's what teaching's all about. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, you think like, so, you know, just connecting the instructional triangle to, cause we were your instructor um, and thinking about, we put things in, in there you know, field experiences and, you know, drawings on the board, really, and to say how you took it and ran with it. And that's, that's, I mean, that's learning. That's, that's learning. And then you took that into your own learning to become a teacher. And now your kids are learning and tapping into their power. That's, (laughs) that's great. (laughs) So we want to add in one more thing, because you are continuing to develop as a teacher, and we're continuing Mm -hmm. to develop as a teacher. So I'm, I'm actually taking some notes, too, about things I need to go look at, 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 I remember from, and, uh, Ann's episode, we got, I got to go look at some fantastic foldables. But anyway, do you have any resources, Anne, to share with Hannah? And I know I have a few. I mean, I can start and then you could think about it. Perfect. So first of all, the instructional triangle is from that book. There's a blue book up there that's got green on it. It's from, it says Lampert. That's from Magdalene Lampert, Teaching Problems and the Problems with Teaching. Now, I know the instructional triangle exists in other places, but that's where I got it from. And that's what helped me make sense of classrooms. And I think that book is great for anyone that is looking to advance as both a beginning teacher, specifically with mathematics, um, but as just a teacher in general, to even the most advanced teacher, to how to get better in using problems, like messy tasks, in order to advance as a teacher. And so, I mean, in there, she talks about, she has, like, captured her, her, well, her classroom was her lab, and so she captured everything that was happening in it. And so she has all these, like, dialogues that she's having with her students and how she would, you know, think her thinking in her head and what students said and what she was thinking in order to who should she call in next in order to properly sequence things. It's like a master class in teaching with messy tasks, and I hmm. think that's great because, it, one, it taps into the, the, the instructional triangle uh, and blows it out to epic proportions. And also, too... And thinking about philosophy statements, and it, we looked at it in um, in our class that we had together. But Dewey's pedagogic creed for those mm-hmm. that have maybe never thought about having a pocket-sized philosophy statement. That thinking about what Dewey says in his pedagogic creed. And again, we'll put a link in the show notes. And then thinking like, what do I believe? What do I stand for? What do I, you know, what you said, Hannah? What do I promise to my students? So those are some things. Yeah, a couple of other things to keep in mind. One um, resource that's not. Um, you know, an actual tangible resource to think about that links to what Hannah's been talking about is getting to know your students and having that relationship and understanding mm-hmm. what their relationship is with the content. And that is getting to know the families of, the, of your students mm-hmm. and getting know to, to know the family context um, for which they come to your classroom. What are their experiences? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are their attitudes? What's, what are the attitudes at home about uh, learning and the subject area and that kind of thing? I know uh, Joel and I have done some work on uh, looking at attitudes toward mathematics and, and the impact that has on students' academic achievement in mathematics, but 
you know, it's a families are a resource. We yeah. sometimes forget we're talking about tangible resources, mm-hmm. which are great for teachers. But you have human resources mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. a teacher. You know, you're like a human resources officer, <laughs> and yeah. you have you know, um, if you have 27 students in your class, you have 27 families mm-hmm. that that are huge resources and wonderful um, supports for you as a teacher. So thinking about those, uh, we'll call them soft resources. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's really really important. Um, Joel, you just mentioned, I think. Um, um, the Dewey's yeah, pedagogical creed. One of the things I thought about was with what Hannah's talking about is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Talking about relationship building and um, wanting students to feel, uh, you know, have the power to do something. In order for those things to happen, students must feel safe in your classroom and must feel like you know they're building that relationship with you. And that's sort of in the bottom of that. Uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs are really, really important. So those are just, you know, a couple of things that came to my mind. Did you think of something else? Yeah, well, I was just thinking, too, you're talking about these, you know, the parents as resources to build these relationships. Mm -hmm. But then let's go back to mom, the (laughs) librarian, right? Yes. Like, think about the access. I I remember at my high school that I taught at Sauk Prairie High School up in uh, Wisconsin, the librarian had relationships with students that were very different than you know, the classroom teachers and that the fact that maybe that was a place where students would go either before or after school or during lunch mm-hmm. and, you know, might, that would, there was a way that they could get connected that she also knew what they were reading, what they were mm-hmm. into, like, and so it was another way to build those relationships in, um, was to have that relationship with the librarian. So another soft resource in mm-hmm. order to, again, if you if it's important about building those relationships with students, that's, uh, that's going to be important. So that's pretty good. I think so. First, yeah. First episode. With first a guest. episode with a real guest. <laughs> yeah. Because we're, right. not, we're not real guests. Yeah. <laughs> we're fake guests. Right. Right. This is like legit now. Yeah. All right. So I think. Well, thank you. Thank you, Hannah. So thank you. This episode may be over, but the journey to better teaching continues. Please subscribe to the podcast. That's the Teacher's Journey. Mile markers on the road to better teaching. Uh, subscribe so you are notified when the next episode is ready for you to listen. And if you like what you hear, please rate and review the podcast. Uh, You can also share the podcast with with someone you feel may be interested in these stories of teacher development. So tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody. And finally, thank you, Hannah Farnlacher, for sharing part of your teaching journey. We're glad to be a part of it. Thank you. And thank you to those to... And thank you to those listening for taking the journey to better teaching. This world is a better place because you have used the gifts you have been given to teach 